0: when one of those investments lost 85% of its value, Strong's money market fund ran the risk of falling below a dollar per share. This would have been a momentous occurrence, something that technically has never happened. Many say it never will. But Wall Street has a name for it anyway. It's called breaking the buck. The fear is that if someone breaks the buck in the money market fund business, the ensuing panic would have incredible repercussions. Millions of investors would withdraw their money. So why didn't Strong break the buck? Well, actually it did, but to avoid any problems, Strong paid for the loss, thus preserving the $1 share price. So, no buck has ever been broken, but the day may come. So if you invest in a money market fund, be careful. Investing in the fund that has the highest yield could be a big mistake. Choose a money fund that has a slightly lower return, such as one that invests only in U.S. Treasuries. If you handle your money that way, buck-breaking will never break your back. Rule number three, never accept a new job just to get a higher salary. The days of womb-to-tomb employment are over. Today, the average worker changes jobs every five years or less. The most common reason cited? Career growth. But does having career success always translate to financial success? Not necessarily. To see why, compare Brenda and Monica. Both graduated from college at age 22 and both got jobs with the same employer earning $20,000 a year. Both received 4% annual pay increases and both began to contribute 5% to the company 401k plan after their first year of employment. For every dollar Brenda and Monica deposited into the 401k, their employer contributed thirty. Now, after five years, Brenda left for a new job, where she enjoyed a 10% pay increase and all the same 401k benefits that she enjoyed previously. She continued to change jobs every five years until she retired at age 65, and each time, she got another 10% boost in her salary. While with each employer, she received a 4% annual pay increase, so by the time she retired... Brenda's salary was $175,000. Monica, meanwhile, never left her first employer, and she, too, retired at age 65. She never enjoyed a 10% salary increase in any one year, so her income at retirement was only $112,000, significantly less than Brenda's. But look at the value of their respective 401k accounts. By the time she retired, Brenda, the job changer, had amassed a little less than $1.5 million in her retirement plan. But Monica, who was earning only 64% as much as Brenda, had somehow managed to accumulate nearly $1.6 million in her 401k plan, some $50,000 more than Brenda. How is this possible? There are several reasons. First, retirement plans typically prohibit employees from joining until each has been with the employer for a minimum period of time, usually one year, the time frame used in my example. You see, by changing jobs every five years throughout her career, Brenda kicked herself out of the 401k eligibility an astonishing 20% of the time. So Monica accumulated more money because she was able to participate in the 401k much more consistently. You'll have to make the decision for yourself, but please do, before you spend a career jumping from job to job. As Brenda and Monica demonstrate, making less money doesn't mean you will have to accumulate less money. Rule number four, you must prevent your credit record from becoming too good. When evaluating your application for a mortgage or other loan, lenders ask themselves one basic question. Are you likely to default? To help them answer that, the Fair Isaac Company, FICO, has devised a method of scoring individuals based on their credit histories. The higher your FICO score, the better. To get a high FICO score, which is important if you one day want to buy a home or apply for a car loan, you should have and use few bank cards, close any unused credit card accounts, keep your credit limits and outstanding balances down, satisfy any public records, such as tax liens or judgments, avoid late payments, and limit the number of accounts that you open. So, if you're planning to buy a home in the next 12 months, think twice about accepting new credit card offers and order a copy of your credit report to make sure it's accurate. Rule number five. If you want to avoid financial failure, watch the pennies you spend, not the dollars. Considering the huge amounts you're spending on taxes, homes, cars, cars, clothes, insurance, food, and daycare, what possible difference could one little dollar make? An $86,000 difference, that's what. It's true. Spending $1 a day for 40 years, a normal working career, on sodas, candy bars, even the daily newspaper, translates to $86,000 that you won't have when you retire. Can you afford to throw away eighty-six grand? Under the new rules of money, you simply are not in control over most of the money you spend. That's why it is crucial that you carefully allocate the money that is in your control. So the next time you reach for that soda, ask yourself one simple question. Is this expense going to help you achieve your financial goals? Rule number six, stop spending money on things that fall in value. You probably can't afford to buy a $15,000 Rolex, but you might be willing to spend $400 on a Gucci watch. Not that you should, mind you, because to spend $400, you must first earn 667 while that money, if invested for 40 years at 8%, would grow to nearly $10,000. But you won't have that ten grand because you'll have spent the $400 instead. So if you really want to boost your ability to build a large net worth, Stop buying assets that you really can't afford to buy, like $400 watches. Either buy a $15,000 watch, which is likely to hold its value or appreciate, or buy a $25 Timex instead. Better yet, ask a rich friend what time it is. Rule number seven, you must cut your debt load by 33% to break even. Does it seem harder than ever to pay off your debts? Well, it is harder than ever. In fact, it's 33% harder. Here's why. Under the new rules of money, interest payments are no longer tax deductible. That means you're not getting the tax break you once got. Therefore, mortgages and student interest aside, if you must carry debt, you should carry only two-thirds as much as you might have carried back in the 1980s. Rule number eight. Observe the new rules for surviving the holidays. You must no longer allow the holidays to bust your budget. Instead, recognize that you will spend money. To help you survive the next holiday season, follow these steps. Make a list, not of what you're going to buy, but for whom you're going to buy. Next to each name, write, not what you're going to give, but the amount that you're going to spend on that person's gift. Once your list is complete, total it up. If you're happy with that number, great. If you're not happy, start cutting. Now your list is ready. First, you have to go to the bank to get some cash. Why? Because you're going to leave all your credit cards home. You overspend because your credit card is a virtual bottomless pit, but your wallet isn't. So if your list adds up to $800, withdraw $800 from the bank. Then head to the mall and spend freely. And when you run out of cash, you're done. January should start off with Baby New Year knocking at your door, not creditors. Rule number nine, do not save money in a child's name. In the old days, putting money in your kids' names made great sense because kids were able to earn money tax-free. But the Tax Reform Act of 1986 closed this loophole by creating the so-called kiddie tax. Today, only the first $650 earned by a child under 14 is tax-free. Money earned between $650 and $1,300 is taxed at the 15% rate and everything over 1300 is taxed at their parents' rate. After age 14, they pay taxes at their own rate. Thus, there is now very little tax incentive to save money in the name of children. And I'll give you two good disincentives. The first is this. When children have money, their ability to qualify for college financial aid is reduced. And if that isn't enough to dissuade you from putting money in a child's name, Consider this letter that I once received. Dear Rick, My husband's mother left some money to my daughter to help pay for college, about $72,000. My daughter has a drug habit. Is there anything I can do to keep this money from her? She turns 18 in just a few months. Betty Rule number 10. Never participate in college tuition prepayment plans. More than half of the nation's 50